0: Net, where if you mouse over the link at top for original edition, you will see the link to read, A-C-I-M-O-E. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to a daily email sent to you by the Course and Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about nine fifteen to about eleven a.m. Eastern Time. Today, we're continuing our reading in Chapter Four, "The Root of All Evil." I should say, "The Root of All Evil," uh, the section five, "The Ego Body Illusion." And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day but today's lesson, lesson 30, lesson 45, God is the mind in which I think. And that will be led uh, by the excellent Fran, again, this morning. Okay, Sorry. This is the time when I turn to you and ask, do you have an opening you'd like to offer?
1: I do, LeMoyne, and um, came straight out of direction this morning. I think you'll all recognize it. Behind every image I have made, the truth remains unchanged. Behind every veil I have drawn across the face of love, its light remains undimmed. Beyond all my insane wishes is my will united with the will of my Father. God is still everywhere and in everything forever, and we who are part of Him will yet look past all appearances and recognize the truth beyond them all. God is in everything I see. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Lori.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Lori.
0: Perfect. Thank you,
1: Lori.
2: Okay,
0: I'll go over our thing. Okay. Was it some reading this morning? We have, I have Lori, Fran, uh, Donna, Jessica, and Robin Marie. With us and listening, I have uh, Chris, uh, Judy, and Reverend Richard Joy. Is there anyone else who's joined the call who would like to be on the reading list or say good morning?
1: Good morning, Patricia. Listening. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Patricia. You're welcome. Okay, I'll get us started now with the chapter four, section five: the ego body illusion. Paragraph 69, all things work together for good. There are no exceptions except in the ego's judgment. Control is a central factor in what the ego permits into consciousness and one to which it devotes its maximum vigilance. This is not the way a balanced mind holds together its control is unconscious. The ego is further off-balance by keeping its primary motivation unconscious and raising control rather than sensible judgment to predominance. The ego has every reason to do this according to the thought system which gave rise to it and which is served. Sane judgment would inevitably judge against the ego and must be obliterated by the ego in the interest of its self-preservation. And, Laurie?
1: Chapter 4, section 6, The Ego-Body Illusion. All things work together for good. There are no exceptions except in the ego's judgment. Control is a central factor in what the ego permits into consciousness, and one to which it devotes its maximum vigilance. This is not the way a balanced mind holds together. Its control is unconscious. The ego is further off balance by keeping its primary motivation unconscious and raising control, rather than sensible judgment to predominance. The ego has every reason to do this according to the thought system which gave rise to it and which it serves. Same judgment would inevitably judge against the ego. It must be obliterated by the ego in the interests of its self-preservation. 70. A major source of the ego's off-balance state is its lack of discrimination between impulses from God and from the body. Any thought system which makes this confusion must be insane. Yet, this demented state is essential to the ego, which judges only in terms of threat or non-threat to itself. In one sense, the ego's fear of the idea of God is at least logical, since this idea does dispel the ego. Fear of disillusion from the higher source, then, makes some sense in ego terms, but fear of the body with which the ego identifies so closely is more blatantly senseless.
0: Thank you, Lori. And Fran.
1: Seventy. A major source of the ego's off-balance state is its lack of discrimination between impulses from God and from the body. Any thought system which makes this confusion must be insane. Yet this demanded state is essential to the ego, which judges only in terms of threat or non threat to itself. In one sense, the ego's fear of the idea of God is at least logical, since this idea does dispel the ego. Fear of dissolution from the higher source and makes some sense in ego terms. but fear of the body, with which the ego identifies so closely, is more blatantly senseless. 71. The body is the ego's home by its own election. It is the only identification with which the ego feels safe because the body's vulnerability is its own best argument that you cannot be of God. This is the belief that the ego sponsors eagerly. Yet the ego hates the body because it does not accept the idea that the body is good enough to be its own. Here is where the mind becomes actually dazed. Being told by the ego that it is really part of the body and that the body is its protector, the mind is also constantly informed that the body cannot protect it. This, of course, is not only accurate, but perfectly
0: obvious. Thank you, Brian and Donna.
3: 71. The body is the ego's home by its own election. It is the only identification with which the ego feels safe because the body's vulnerability is its own best argument that you cannot be a god. This is the belief that the ego sponsors eagerly. Yet the ego hates the body because it does not accept the idea that the body is good enough to be its home. Here is where the mind becomes actually dazed, being told by the ego that it is really part of the body and the body is its protector. The mind is also constantly informed that the body cannot protect it. This, of course, is not only accurate, but perfectly obvious. 72. Therefore the mind asks, quote, where can I go for protection? End quote. To which the ego replies, quote, turn to me, end quote. The mind, and not without cause, reminds the ego that it has itself insisted that it is identified with the body. So there is no point in turning to it for protection. The ego has no real answer to this because there is none, but it does have a typical solution. It it obliterates the question from the mind's awareness. Once unconscious, the question can and does produce uneasiness, but it cannot be answered because it cannot be asked. This is the question which must be asked, quote, Where am I to go for protection? End quote. Even the insane ask it unconsciously, but it requires real sanity to ask it consciously. Thank you, Donna.
0: And Jessica.
4: Thanks, Simone. 72. Um, Well, um, okay. Therefore, the mind asks, quote, where can I go for protection? To which the ego replies, turn to me. The mind, and not without cause, reminds the ego that it has itself insisted that it is identified with the body, so there's no point in turning to it for protection. The ego, excuse me, The ego has no real answer to this because there is none, but it does have a typical solution. It obliterates the question from the mind's awareness. Once unconscious, the question can and does produce uneasiness, but it cannot be answered because it cannot be asked. This is the question which must be asked. Where am I to go for protection? Even the insane ask it unconsciously, but it requires real sanity to ask it consciously. 73. When the Bible says, seek and ye shall find, it does not mean that you should seek blindly and desperately for something you would not recognize. Meaningful seeking is consciously undertaken, consciously organized, and consciously directed. The goal must be formulated clearly and kept in mind. As a teacher with some experience, let me remind you that learning and wanting to learn are inseparable. All learners learn best when they believe that what they are trying to learn is of value to them. However, values in this world are hierarchical and not everything you may want to learn has lasting value.
0: Thank you, Jessica. And Robin Marie.
4: 73, when the Bible says, quote, seek and ye shall find, unquote, it does not mean that you should seek blindly and desperately for something you would not recognize. Meaningful seeking is consciously undertaken, consciously organized, and consciously directed. The goal must be formulated clearly and kept in mind. As a teacher with some experience, let me remind you that learning and wanting to learn are inseparable. All learners learn best when they believe that what they are trying to learn is of value to them. However, values in this world are hierarchical, and not everything you may want to learn has lasting value. 74. Indeed, many of the things you want to learn are chosen because their value will not last. The ego thinks it is an advantage not to commit itself to anything that is eternal, because the eternal must come from God. Eternalness is the one function which the ego has tried to develop, but has systematically failed. It may surprise you to learn that, had the ego wished to do so, it could have made the eternal, because, as a product of the mind, it is endowed with the power of its own creator. However, the decision to do this, rather than the ability to do it, is what the ego cannot tolerate. That is because the decision from which the ability would naturally develop would necessarily involve accurate perception, a state of clarity which the ego, fearful of being judged truly, must avoid.
0: Thank you, Robin and Marie, and is there a new reader for 74 and 75?
5: Uh, We can do it
6: Lemoyne. I'll read. Go ahead. Go ahead.
5: Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Indeed, many of the things you want to learn are chosen because their value will not last. The ego thinks it is an advantage not to commit itself to anything that is eternal because the eternal must come from God. Eternal the one function which the ego has tried to develop but has systematically failed, it may surprise you to learn that had the ego wished to do so, it could have made the eternal because as a product of the mind, it is endowed with the power of its own creator. However, the decision to do this rather than the ability to do it is what the ego cannot tolerate. That is because the decision from which the ability would naturally develop would necessarily involve accurate perception, a state of clarity which the ego, fearful of being judged, truly must avoid. The results of this dilemma are peculiar, but no more so than the dilemma itself. The ego has reacted characteristically here as uh, elsewhere because mental illness, which is always a form of ego involvement, is not a matter of reliability as much as solidity. The ego comp- compromises with the issue of the eternal, just as it does with all issues that touch on the real question in any way. By compromising in connection with all ten- tangential questions, it hopes to hide the real question and keep it out of mind. The ego's characteristics, characteristic busyness with non-essential is for precisely that purpose.
0: Uh, Thank you, Chris. And Judy, If you... 75?
6: 75? Okay. The results of this dilemma are peculiar, but no more so than the dilemma itself. The ego has reacted, characteristically, here as elsewhere, because mental illness, which is always a form of ego involvement, is not a matter of reliability as as much as of validity. The ego compromises with the issue of the eternal, just as it does with all issues that touch on the real question in any way. By compromising in connection with all tangential questions, it hopes to hide the real question and keep it out of mind. (laughs) God, this stuff makes me laugh. The ego's characteristic busyness with non-essentials is precisely for that purpose. Consider the alchemist's old age attempts to turn base metal into gold. The one question which the alchemist did not permit himself to ask, was, what for? He could not ask this, because it would immediately become apparent that there was no sense in his efforts, even if he succeeded. If gold became more plentiful, its value would increase or decrease, and his own purpose would be defeated. The ego has countenanced some strange compromises with the idea of the eternal, making many old attempts to relate the concept to the unimportant in an effort to satisfy the mind without jeopardizing itself. Thus, it has permitted minds to devote themselves to the possibility of perpetual motion, but not to perpetual thought. This is so fun. I love you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader for seventy six and seventy seven? Seventy six and seven. Okay. Back to you, Lori.
1: Uh, so, backing up one sentence, the ego's characteristic busyness with non essentials is for precisely the purpose of keeping the real question out of mind. 76. Consider the alchemist's age old attempts to turn base metal into gold. The one question which the alchemist did not permit himself to ask was what for? He could not ask this because it would immediately become apparent that there was no sense in his efforts even if he succeeded if gold became more plentiful its value would decrease and his own purpose would be defeated the ego has countenanced some strange compromises with the idea of the eternal making many odd attempts to relate the concept to the unimportant in an effort to satisfy the mind without jeopardizing itself. <clears throat> Thus, it has permitted minds to devote themselves to the possibility of perpetual emotion, but not to perceptual thoughts. 77. Ideational preoccupation with problems set up to be incapable of solution are also favorite ego devices for impeding the strong willed from making real learning progress. The problem of squaring the circle and carrying pi to infinity are good examples. A more recent ego attempt is particularly noteworthy. The idea of preserving the body by suspension, <laughs> thus giving it a kind of limited immortality which the ego can tolerate is among its more recent appeals to the mind. It is noticeable, however, that in all these diversionary tactics, the one question which is never asked by those who pursue them is, quote, what for?
0: Thank you, Laurie. Brand?
1: 77. Ideational preoccupations with problems set up to be incapable of solution are also favored ego devices for impeding the strong will from making real learning progress. The problems of squaring the circle and carrying Pi to infinity are good examples. A more recent ego attempt is particularly noteworthy. The idea of preserving the body by suspension, thus giving it the kind of limited immortality which the ego can tolerate, is among its more recent appeals to the mind. It is noticeable, however, that in all these diversionary tactics, the one question which is never asked by those who pursue them is, what for? 78. This is the question which you must learn to ask in connection with everything your mind wishes to undertake. What is the purpose? Whatever it is, you cannot doubt that it will channelize your efforts automatically. When you make a decision of purpose, and you have made a decision about your future effort, a decision which will remain in effect unless you change the
0: decision. Thank you, Brian And Donna.
3: From 77. Question. What for? 78. This is the question which... You must learn to ask in connection with everything your mind wishes to undertake. What is the purpose? Whatever it is, you cannot doubt that it will channelize your efforts automatically. When you make a decision of purpose, then you have made a decision about your future effort. A decision which will remain in effect unless you change the decision. 79, psychologists are in a good position to realize that the ego is capable of making and accepting as real some very distorted associations. The confusion of sex with aggression and the resulting behavior, which is perceived as the same for both that confusion of sex with aggression and, re, and the resulting behavior, which is perceived as the same for both, serves as an example. This is, quote, understandable, quote, to the psychologist and does not produce surprise. The lack of surprise, however, is not a sign of understanding. It is a symptom of the psychologist's ability to accept as reasonable a compromise which is clearly senseless, hyphen, to attribute it to the mental illness of the patient rather than his own and to limit his questions about both the patient and himself to the trivial.
0: Thank yes. you so. <laughs> And Jessica.
4: Hold on a second, you caught me by surprise. I'm in a noisy room. Um, which paragraph?
0: 79 and 80.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay. Psychologists are in a good position to realize that the ego is capable of making and accepting as real some very distorted associations. The confusion of sex with aggression and the resulting behavior, which is perceived as the same for both, serves as an example. This is, quote, understandable to the psychologist and does not produce surprise. The lack of surprise, however, is not a sign of understanding. It is a, it's a symptom of the psychologist's ability to accept as reasonable a compromise which is clearly senseless, to attribute it to the mental illness of the patient rather than his own, and to limit his questions about both the patient and himself to the trivial Eighty, such relatively minor confusions of the ego are not among its more profound misassociations, although they do reflect them. Your egos have been blocking the more important questions which your mind should ask. You do not understand a patient while you, un- while you yourselves are willing to limit the questions you raise about his mind Because you are also accepting these limits for yours. This makes you unable to heal him and yourself. Be always willing to adapt to any situation in which miracle-mindedness is unthinkable. That state in itself is enough to demonstrate the perception is wrong.
0: Thank you, Jessica. And Robin Marie.
4: Eighty. such relatively minor confusions of the ego are not among its more profound misassociations, although they do reflect them. Your egos have been blocking the more important questions which your minds should ask. You do not understand the patient while you yourselves are willing to limit the questions you raise about his mind because you are also accepting these limits for yours. This makes you unable to heal him and yourselves. Be always unwilling to adapt to any situation in which miracle-mindedness is unthinkable. That state in itself is enough to demonstrate that the perception is wrong.
0: Thank you, Robin Marie. All right. By the end, this first sentence... (laughs) What's that stuff? Okay, so the first sentence, all things work together. Good. There are no exceptions except in the ego. Good. That's like the topic here. Good. Good. Control is a central factor in what the ego permits in
5: consciousness
0: and one to which it devotes its maximum discipline. This is not the way a balanced mind holds together. A balanced mind control is unconscious. Mm-hmm. Ego is further out balance by keeping its primary motivation of conscious and mm-hmm. raising control rather than sensible judgment to predominance. The so major source of the ego's off-balance state is this lack of discrimination between impulses from God and from the body. Any thought system which makes this confused must be a system. Yet this cemented state is essential to the ego which judges only in terms of threat or non-threat to itself. The body is the ego's ho- home by its own election. It is the only identification with which the ego feels safe because the body's vulnerability is its own best argument that you cannot be of God. This is the belief that the ego is If the ego hates the body, because it does not accept the idea that the body is good enough to be at home. Here is where the mind becomes action Being Told by the ego, that it's really part of the body, and the body is protected. The mind is also constant form; the body cannot protect it. This, of course, is not action. So,
4: the
0: issues the, of the soul.
4: Not hearing you very well, Lemoyne.
0: So, in these issues of control—excuse <clears throat> me—in these issues of control and protection, you know, the key question the mind asks is, "Where can I can ask? It, where can I go for protection?" This is the question which must be asked. Where am I to go for protection? 73, when the Bible says, Seek and ye shall find, it does not mean that you should seek blindly and desperately for something you would not recognize. Meaningful seeking is consciously undertaken, consciously organized, and consciously directed. The goal must be formulated clearly and kept in mind. And learning and wanting to learn are inseparable. And what? What am to Everything present and get to. By compromising in connection with all tangential questions, it hopes to hide the real question and keep it out of mind. The ego's characteristic busyness with non-essential is for precisely that purpose. And then another question here. What for? This is the question which you must learn to ask in connection with everything your mind wishes to undertake. What is the purpose? What is it for? Whatever it is, you cannot doubt that it will channelize your efforts automatically. When you make a decision of purpose, then you have made a decision about your future effort, a decision, a decision which will remain in effect. Unless you change the decision. And so now skip down to 80. Your egos have been blocking the more important question which your mind should ask. You do not understand a brother while you yourselves are willing to limit the questions you raise about his mind because you are also accepting these limits for yours this makes you unable to heal him and yourself be always unwilling be always unwilling to adapt to any situation in which miracle-minded is unthinkable. That state in itself is enough to demonstrate that the perception is wrong. Stop there, but I will repeat these questions here which the mind asks, you know, viewing the vulnerability of the body and kind of like uh, selfish insanity of the ego the mind asks where can I go for protection and the question which we must learn to ask in connection with everything we wish to undertake what is the purpose and what is it for right. Stop there and note that it is the top of the hour Thank you for being willing. Thanks,
1: LeMoyne. Thank you, LeMoyne. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook, and today we are on Lesson 45. God is the mind with which I think. So I shall read some from the lesson. Today's ideal holds the key to what your real thoughts are. They are nothing that you think you think, just as nothing that you think you see is related to vision in any way. There is no relationship between what is real and what you think is real. You think with the mind of God. As you are part of His mind, so are your thoughts part of His thoughts. Where then are your real thoughts? Today we will attempt to reach them. We will have to look for them in your mind because that is where they are. What is thought by the mind of God is eternal being part of creation. Our three five-minute practice periods for today will take the same general form that we used in applying yesterday's idea. We will attempt to leave the unreal and seek for the real we will deny the world in favor of truth. There is every reason to feel confident that you will succeed today. It is the will of God. Begin the exercises for today by repeating the idea to yourself, closing your eyes as you do so. Spend a fairly short period in thinking a few relevant thoughts of your own, keeping the idea in mind as you do so. After you have added some four or five thoughts of your own, repeat the idea again and tell yourself gently, my real thoughts are in my mind. I would like to find them. Then try to go past all the unreal thoughts that cover the truth in your mind and reach to the eternal. For this kind of practice, only one thing is necessary. Approach it. As you would an altar dedicated in heaven itself to God the Father and God the Son. For such is the place you are trying to reach. In using the shorter form for applying today's idea, try to remember how important it is to you to understand the holiness of the mind that thinks with God. Stand aside, however briefly from all the thoughts that are unworthy of him, whose host you are, and thank him for the thoughts he is thinking with you. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 45, God is the mind with which I think. Today's idea holds the key to what your real thoughts are. You think with the mind of God. Lesson 45. God is the mind with which I think. Amen.
0: Amen. Beautiful. Thank
1: you, Fran.
2: Hi, this is Chris.
5: I'd like to share some key points that came to me as I was practicing being present as I listened. Um, on, p- paragraph seven, on paragraph 66, that is a powerful statement, all things work together for good, and there are no exceptions um when i'm observing an opportunity in my life i have a tendency of believing that no matter how challenging the ego presents it i know that that is go- good that's god and i state out loud sometimes that I choose to see the blessing in this. Uh, That's a challenge, of course, for many brothers and sisters to see that concept, that fact. And I know that, but however, it's the way I see it that counts. And I'll say like, this will work out for good. It's on its way. Um good is going to come out of this. It usually does. Um, so I've learned to support that belief that all things work together for good through communication, to through thanking God at the end of the day for that blessing that came into my mind about that situation. So i um, like to share that, and I love what it says on paragraph 70, impulses from God and from the body. To me, I'm practicing cultivating a space between the stimulus, which is the ego's way of looking and its accompanying feelings of non-peace, and the response, which is God's loving way of looking. We all have, I have, I and we all have that power to cultivate that space of, 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 and utilizing this space. Uh, so many times in the past, before I cultivated that space, it was, okay, stimulus, now a quick reaction based on the past. And it was like constantly reacting to the ego's presentation in my mind. And if I had to choose, if I had to choose the the biggest tool the Holy Spirit gave me was the practice of self-observation during meditation, where I'm providing a space of present moment awareness and seeing what is coming in the moment But responding with the prayer, the lesson, the God response. An interesting thing happens when I do that, more and more of the stimulus becomes loving experiences. I love the question where am I to go for protection? It requires real sanity to ask it consciously. That's in paragraph 72. Again, to me, the answer is the space of awareness and acceptance that I'm practicing being in, in which I ask that question. And the ego has a wonderful opportunity. If I don't, if I don't practice that, to give me busyness about that, about the non-essential of what happened. And I, I, I've learned when that happens to someone as they're sharing, they're busy speaking, it's really chatter, you know, the blah, blah, blahs, not that I haven't done that. I've learned to practice really listening in that space where eventually that's gonna pass and they're gonna be more peaceful just because I'm serving them and just being with them as they, the busyness comes out in their words. On paragraph 79, senseless to attribute it to the mental illness of the patient rather than his own, and it was talking about a certain topic, sex and aggression, and to limit his questions about both the patient and himself to the trivial. And it continues to say, you do not understand a patient or a brother or sister, while you, you yourself are willing to limit the questions you raise about his mind or her mind, because you are also accepting this limit, these limits for yourself. Wow, if that doesn't reflect back the power of the mirror of relationships as I'm with my brothers and sisters, what is happening within me as I listen to them? Am I reacting to what they're saying? And, of course, I know that's a feeling based on who I thought I was. It has nothing to do with my brother or sister or the patient. I'm saying more the patient because I'm mentoring, in the role of mentoring and coaching. So for me is, okay, they just said something. What triggered within me? What belief and feeling was triggered when they, did, they, they just said what they said? And just working with forgiveness, serving forgiveness, If if I'm if I'm not conscious and practicing that, I could easily say, Wow, that wasn't a very kind thing to say in anger. I'm complete.
1: I loved every bit of that, Chris. Thank you.
4: Yeah, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> thank you, Chris.
6: great great synopsis thank you hi guys it's Jude I um I just love this section it really makes me laugh when um, the the ego and how it operates is clear clearly revealed and it and it talks about that that it really really threatens the ego to be seen with clarity because it, it's the absurdity and the ridiculousness of it um, is you know, it becomes laughable. and, um, what is the ego for? You know, what's the ego for? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> I'm going to ask myself a question. What is the purpose of the ego just to make me miserable, afraid, and unhappy? Um, but the the, um, the idea of the lesson today, um what what's become really clear to me is that, you know, everything that we make out of perception, the mind, its thoughts, its feelings, the perception that the mind is in the body, and this is what the text speaks of or to very clearly, that the body is the, the ego's home, quote-unquote, I put around it. Ego, ego is, isn't an entity. It's an activity of the mind. It's merely a belief in the mind that my mind is localized within my body it's limited to a body and this whole text part of the text speaks of that limiting the idea of Chris's mind to his body or my mind to my body or Lori's mind to her body is what the ego's activity mind's activity is about and not to do that not to limit the one mind of God to anyone Because it's not personal and the and the wholeness and the oneness that makes the perfection of it, its unicity and its state of grace and its potential to create all that is good for everyone's good in its totality. We have to see the total see it totally. And to see only loving thoughts are true is to recognize the unreality of what the ego would make of us that we cannot judge the images that we've made because they're simply not real. What people, quote-unquote, particular people say and do in their bodies is an image of our own making, and it's not true. It's unreal that this is an illusion, and in the mind of the one Son of God, and I don't have to understand that, but... To understand what the Course is trying to teach me is is imperative because it says neither is this image that I've made of Jude real, nor is the world real. The world is simply propaganda to validate the false image that I've created, that we've created in our mind as being bodies, that we are not these bodies. We have bodies, okay, sure, but we're one mind in the mind of God and the power of that mind. Um to create this world and all that's in it is huge it's absolutely huge and it's wonderful but the um you know making making um this unconscious business you know that I did not create myself is agreeing with the belief that I am the body the the arrogance of the belief that I am the body. Is denying that God is my Creator, and that I have, when I recognize who created me, as purely mind, one mind in the mind of God, not separate from any other idea. That perception makes apparent and appearances in what seems to be happening here. Is, is God is is God is like. <laughs> God is, God is, God is. Mind is, mind is, mind is. And that I'm an image in the mind of God. But I'm not just that. My mind is not limited to this body. And so release and relieve the mind of the false belief that the body is its home. It's not at home in the body. The body can't contain it. It's just too freaking awesomely mixed magnitudinally, gigantically, past, even imagination. It can't be comprehended. So uh, I just love this stuff. This, um, <laughs> the dilemmas the ego would make in tangential preoccupations with problems that can't be solved. What problems are like issues are like tissues. They keep popping up. But I, I'm going to complete with this: is base metal, alchemist, um, jazz. I just watched a, a Valentine's Day documentary on De Beers, the diamond miners, and um, and how they they created a myth around love being eternal, and the symbol of that being the diamond. And this is the perfect illustration of this pair. Couple paragraphs about how the ego wants to make something that's temporary, temporaneous, form into something that's eternal when it can't, and it's and it's what for? So De Beers made the diamond a symbol of eternity, and then it wanted to keep it precious, so it hoarded a whole bunch of diamonds when. Diamonds became so well-mined that their value went down, just the way this paragraph talks about. And then man started creating stones, man-made diamonds, that were indiscernible from God-made diamonds. And, you know, the course says God didn't create the world. He didn't. What God created was changeless, eternally mortal. And anything in this world is not that. It's simply not that. It's unreal, by definition, because it changes. So I just love that. And, there, and, and the idea about um, um, permitting minds to devote themselves to the possibility of perpetual motion, but not to perpetual thought. that just cracks me up, too, because I just saw another movie about a little kid who designed a, a perpetual motion um, machine, and the closest thing that anybody could come to it was lasting 400 years, and in the mind of God, it's not even a a whisper of a blink. So, ergo, here I go on and on again. Thanks for giving me a place to share my, my joy and love and enthusiasm for the truth. Amen. I'm complete.
1: Thank you. That was great. Thank you. Thanks, Judy.
6: I would just love to roll right into the constant state. (laughs) Can't wait for it till tomorrow. It's always here and now, though. Isn't that what eternity is? Uh, There's nowhere to go, nothing to do. We're already all of it. Amen.
1: So true.
0: Well, that uh, <laughs> calls me to say what I've been looking at, the instruction for the practice of the lesson, God is the mind, which I think. It says, uh, is, uh, spend a short, fairly short period in thinking a few relevant thoughts of your own. Keeping the idea, God. God is the mind with which I think. In mind as you do so, and then repeat the idea again. God is the mind with which I think. And tell yourself gently, my real thoughts are in my mind. I would like to find.
2: Thank you. Breaking
0: up, Lemoyne. Oh. I'm pretty good I'm on mute. I'm breaking up on mute now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that explains that, that. <laughs> that. <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs>
3: Just on and uh, as <clears throat> they say, I've heard the same. You got me at hello. Well, this lesson got me at all things work together for good, and it really did. That's Romans eight twenty eight. But I thought, wow, Lori just said that, and this is how she said it, in her um, her reading. See love everywhere. And then I was, my mind oh, there was another scripture somewhere. Oh yeah, seventy three, that's Matthew seven seven. Seek and ye shall find. And I thought, oh yeah, what would you find? See love everywhere. So I thought that was so. That that fed me today. I had a feast just on that. And then I, as I uh, after a friend did the. Lesson, thank you, Fran. Always for being a master. Um, I thought, oh, let me flip and see if I can find something. <laughs> but I'm happy to say i that couldn't be my thought because I don't think I just received God's thoughts. So where I ended up was chapter twenty one and uh, verse fifty uh, paragraph fifty one And I'm just going to read the first two sentences, but all of that seemed to fit for me. Today's lesson 51. There is another vision and voice in which your freedom lies, awaiting but your choice. And if you place your faith in them, you will perceive another self in you. So we always go from good to better. I am complete.
1: No, that was great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah,
0: thank you.
7: just had a thought about the lesson, God is the mind, is what we think. Earlier on the other call, um, Jessica was saying that it's that place in the mind um, where you're not hearing thoughts. And then I meditated on that afterwards, and it really was like there's no commentary in the God mind. And it's just a, a clear place of knowingness and it doesn't have a lot of thought forms or feeling forms there's no story content um it's peaceful but it's just clear and open anyway um and then about yesterday yesterday i was meditating all day long on um god is the light in which i think and i kept um trying to see what that meant to me and thought love love is the is the light in which i think you know love is the the space in which i exist or think and then it came to me that um god is that is the light in which I think means it's a place of unity. It's a place of complete oneness. That is the light in which I think it's this, where everything is connected and there's no entity, separate entities. There's no uh, divisions. I don't know. I'm not really expressing it very well, but that seems to be the strongest understanding that came through meditating on yesterday thank you I'm complete
1: thank you Karen
4: thank I you Karen I really
1: enjoyed that
4: Thank you,
6: Karen, that was it,
7: was... it was God is the light in which I see, not think. I'm sorry.
6: <laughs> <laughs> That's clarity. Uh, to see the invisible with, through the eyes of Christ, through the eyes of love, to see the, the invisible in what the body perceives as visible. um, looking beyond with the transcendental mind that sees past and beyond what the mind can conceive or believe or think that all thought is fragmentary and makes distinctions and separations and you know that we that idea of be still and know the difference between knowing and perception becomes very clear, to be still and know that I am. And that's what we all are, that saying I am is the portal to the, to the knowledge of the oneness that we all are, that we share with our creator as one in unity, in grace, in peace, and the universal will of God for all of us, um, not independently, but as one for all and all for one. Um, and that the good is for the good of all, and um, as one, and um, that it's here and now and already true, and uh, that the ego perceives all the names and, and definitions for its interpretation of reality as the ego mind would see it. It's not our reality. Our reality is twice removed from signs and symbols letters and words and thoughts um, that betray and deceive us from the truth of who we are and uh, and how the world and the world's perception of the world itself and ourselves in the world is, is just uh, a play, a trick of the mind in thinking that it knows something about reality as it defines itself and it's just The difference between what is true and what is false and I think that's that's so important to recognize because from for me the the experience of knowing my the oneness and the beauty and the glory of it and the magnitude of it came from relinquishing all my thoughts all my sense of personal self and the denial of the denial of the truth the denial of the truth was thinking I was a body, separate, alone and by myself, and that's just simply not true. And it's a misperception in my self appraisal. And to cease the activity of my mind in 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 feeding through emotions the the defense of that reality versus the real my true reality with the capital R, that I am purely mind in the service of the Spirit, inspired and, and, and helpful and loving in, in bringing the truth to the totality of the kingdom of God because the mind is limited. The mind in, in the brain is so limited to its own perceptions that it's just a fragment of the totality and it can't understand or even comprehend what the totality of God is until we let it go, let it go, let it go, surrender it as simply not knowing the truth so the truth can can be revealed to an open and unsealed mind, a mind at rest in peace and not in opposition to what's not real because it's simply not real. I don't have to oppose it, judge it, condemn it, because it's not real it's maya the word maya and and the idea of it being a dream comes from the word the word is rooted in in the meaning of measurement and all thought is a measurement of a fragment of reality as the ego perceives it and that's why it's deception and we need not be deceived there's no deceit in the mind of god if we Seek not outside ourselves for the truth within us. Heaven is within us. God is within us. And God has given us everything. To know ourselves as everything and not limited to anything. That's what limitless means, and it's always and already available here and now. There's no other place to be besides here and now, ever. You can think about the past or think about the future but that's merely thinking, and fragmenting reality according to the ego's perception of it. It creates time, and it com- and it and it creates the idea of space. Time and space are the subtlest, subtlest forms of misconceiving miscon- that the reality of who and what we are. That. There's no distance between anything in the mind of God because it all is the mind of God. There's no place where the mind of God is not. The awareness of I am is everywhere. And go, there I go again. I'll be still. I love you all. Be full of joy.
1: <laughs> Thank you. A lot of good stuff, Judy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.
6: One little thing, I love the way LeMoyne pointed out that part of the lesson where it says, um, gently, gently look at the thoughts in your mind and and know, you know, know your mind is one with God, is, um, you know, seeing the madness and the insanity of the world and, and knowing that this is not God's will for us, that God's will for us is to be perfectly peaceful, perfectly happy. Irrepressibly happy, and any thought that I might hold in my mind that, that makes me sad or afraid is, is simply not true. It's a false perception. Here I will Thank you, Lemoyne, for pointing out that word gently that really sang to me this morning I'm
1: complete. Thanks, Judy. This is Lori, and uh, good morning, everyone. I'm really, kind of loving this chapter this year uh, because I'm noticing how uh, carefully, <clears throat> how carefully and completely, He's trying to help me discriminate ego impulses from my true impulses, ego thoughts from my true thoughts. ego, autonomy, and my true belongingness to the kingdom. Very carefully he's building the case that the ego is not me, the ego is not you. He does it by (coughs) illustrating my thought errors in ego and false autonomy. I have lots of thought errors. Um, he makes it clear. In love without conflict, what's possible in my true will? The kingdom is perfectly united and perfectly protected. And the ego, not you, <laughs> nothing can prevail against it. And then he talks about how can I escape from my thought errors, which lead me into fear. And now he's telling me <clears throat> that the ego and the body are part of the same illusion again not me not me not you Um, but they operate together in a way that's uh, carefully orchestrated this ego body illusion to maximize control and keep truth out of my awareness by defenses all of this is being dismantled simultaneously with these five lessons that we're reviewing how uh, when we get to lesson fifty nine, carefully dismantled with God goes with me wherever I go. God is my strength, vision is his gift, God is my source I cannot see apart from him. God is the light in which I see, and God is the mind with which I think. Every one of those five lessons begin with God is. Very carefully. He's helping me see that the ego is not you. Tomorrow he'll say, my chosen receiving and sending channels. Oh boy. Uh, That gives me a clue as to what my reality is. A chosen receiving and sending channel. That's what my mind is. I've used my mind all wrong. I, I did not understand I did not understand the truth of the statement that mind he says your mind can only serve your mind can only serve I thought it was for false autonomy deciding what was true based on my judgment and value system and the story I tell myself I thought all that and I was mistaken because God is because God is <clears throat> but mind can only serve you see, and the truth is, mind will either serve the ego body illusion or it will serve the truth. Those are the two choices; there are no others, just those two and of those two uh, fence writing isn't really an option because of the extreme uneasiness and unsettledness um that is characteristic of the ego's life and its determination to control reality. So I must make a choice which my mind will serve. The kingdom? The truth? Or the ego-body illusion? And I will have entirely different experiences. I mean night and day, light and dark experiences. When I make that decision, which master my mind will serve, truth or illusion, the ego, body, which is the same illusion. They go together. And they're always asking for attention. Have you noticed that? (laughs) I have. Always asking for my attention. But between those two, what I've noticed is the thoughts I think with God are filled with power. They're filled with Uh, light, peace, joy, Um, gentleness, innocence, all of those thoughts that I think with God are like that. And what do they have in common? They have in common the goal that every lesson teaches here. God wants us to have a direct experience of truth. And that direct experience of truth unmediated it's not a thought I apply to my mind rather it's a real life experience of truth and when I let my thoughts sink past everything I thought I knew every idea I held every value when I let my thoughts sink past to the quiet place God will reveal himself to me in a direct experience an unmediated experience even an experience that has no language but that experience is more real than any thought I could apply to my mind that reality that experience of himself once I have that direct unmediated experience he says of revelation um, I will keep that in my awareness by virtue of my attitudes toward other minds. My mind can only serve the truth. And by virtue of my attitudes toward other minds, the truth in other minds, what I discover is my mind is dedicated to wholeness, to completion, to sharing truth in order to keep it alive in my awareness once I make that choice my path is certain it's already laid out for me it's absolutely unquestionably guaranteed to be only for good and all things will be only for good regardless of the ego's description of those because the ego body illusion doesn't know anything Once I make the decision for my mind will serve only truth, Holy Spirit will be in my awareness and will remind me of truth constantly. I don't have to invent anything. I don't have to interpret anything. I don't have to judge anything. I don't have to guess anything. A direct experience will be related to my mind. I'll be directed in everything and peace will be my experience joy will be my experience all I'm asked to do is recognize you are not an ego you're not an ego can you see how your ego is operated to confine and restrict you to define your little limits to make you afraid to make you believe you're a body Um, to make you direct your path in such a way that you're always tightly controlled restricted and you're main function is to stay in the dark (laughs) and continue to guess and feel that constant uneasiness you know in truth the ego is nothing in truth there is no ego but I have this tiny little collection of ideas about myself that limit me I'm being asked to recognize that is not you It's just not you. You're chosen. You're a receiving channel. You're a sending channel. And that your mind serves truth. And once that decision is made, as I said, the path becomes certain. I no longer live in a a place of reactivity. Guessing all the time what's going on. More like judging what's going on. All things are for good and everything that happens to me everything that seems to happen to me every situation I'm in is an appeal is my soul's appeal for recognition of the real relationship that exists between God and his souls there's a real unmediated experience that's characterized by Um, He says, God created you in understanding, appreciation, and love. And by virtue of this unmediated experience that mind has when it recognizes its serves spirit the gifts to me will be understanding, appreciation, and love. And when I meet everything, uh, whether it be a pain in my body or some other bodily experience or some other situation that appears to be disaster um, that I would normally, or <laughs> I say normally, I would have otherwise reacted to, I can great as something offered me for my learning, for my sense of completion, so that I can recognize I'm not an ego. No.
0: Lori, I'm afraid you're breaking up. I see me. Yeah,
1: breaking up. Yeah. I can't hear you, Lori.
3: You're breaking
6: up big time, Lori.
0: Welcome back, Laurie.
1: Uh, I talked long enough, um, and I was getting repetitive anyway. So, my phone decided it was time to quit. It flipped off Wi-Fi. I'll, I'll leave it here for now. I see there's other people we haven't heard from, and I'm grateful uh, to have shared just a couple things. Yeah, I'm complete.
3: This is Donna. Just for general information, I was speaking with a, uh, a group on the on, uh, Monday and they said that they had a class on Saturday and that um, that the same kind of thing that happened to us, to Lori today, but to us on Friday, but uh, with the uh, leader breaking up. So I don't know if that means anything, but it's not just us. <laughs> I'm complete. <laughs> oh, good you know, Donna. Thanks. Uh, This is Reverend Raja Joy. I have a
7: public service announcement. (laughs) Um, It's Valentine's Day, and I remembered that Miracles Distribution Center has free e-cards Valentine's, because I don't really get out too much. And so if you go, just do a Google search for um, ACIM uh, free e-cards, you'll see your distribution center. And when you pick one you like, you can right click and save as. Um, just save it as a picture and send it in an email to anybody that you want to send a Valentine's to. So I thought I'd mention that to everybody. Um, there you have it. Thanks. I'm done. <laughs> so
1: thanks, Remarija. kind of like the way he ended this section um, you know if I if I put it into my own words what I got from it was that um, if I see myself in a limited way I'm going to see everybody I come in contact with in a limited way In one of our review lessons he made it very clear that I can picture only thoughts I hold about myself can picture only thoughts I hold about myself that's a fact and that's why it's so important um, for me to get my perception straight he calls it right-mindedness if I'm coming from an ego perspective I don't picture anything about myself correctly and I will hold everything I see to the same sense of limits and constriction and I'll misinterpret or misperceive misunderstand everything that comes to my awareness he said if I can't keep my perception straight well I won't be helpful I cannot be helpful so if I want to be helpful my guiding light must be I would rather have truth than any illusion. Help me keep my perception straight. Or show me my right mind. Or show me the truth of this. Because that's what I want. You know, everything is directed toward helping me understand that God is still everywhere and in everything. That unity is a fact and that the sonship will only know itself as whole when every mind perceives the truth about uh, being held in love in the mind of God when that becomes my purpose uh, my mind automatically follows you see that's why it's so important he says, to keep my perception straight. I love the way Chris said it. He said, when I sit with someone and practice just aware presence, it's demonstrated to me that minds are always in communication. Because when I hold a thought of holiness, that thought of holiness is uh, communicated to other minds because all minds are one. <clears throat> um it's not a how to you know this this course of miracles. It's not a how to uh do anything it's a let your mind serve truth and everything else will fall away. You'll unlearn as you go along, and that's the purpose of of everything. <laughs> all things work together for good of that i can be assured do i need to react rebel Uh, add my commentary (laughs) change anything uh no no but i need to always ask for my right mind always be willing to release illusions and accept correction and when i do it'll be a blessing it'll be a blessing all the way around Because all things work together for good, except in the ego judgment. (laughs) So, anyway, I think I'm complete. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Lori. This is Charles. I don't know if I have time to share, but I'd just like to share the appreciation of the shared presence that brought us here together and in life being that which orchestrates all our lives and brings us to a place where we can share that one presence. I feel a true sense of togetherness and love in that presence we share as one i give thanks for you all for being here to be in that presence as a shared extension of love itself and that i'm complete thank you that was beautiful charles thank you
0: Thank you, Charles. Yeah, uh, well, we are we are past nine o'clock now.
2: Oh.
1: Well, I have a good closing in the morning if it's time and if I can be heard.
0: Well, it's working now. I. I, I feel I should confess I do you off the call because all we could hear was little.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awful. I'm so sorry. I don't understand oh, why it bounces.
0: Idea. It happens. Sometimes
1: Yeah, it bounces from Wi Fi to the tower and I'm not close enough to a tower for it to do that. But anyway. Do you wanna hear a good closing? It's really great, okay. Let me
0: try a four sentence summary, okay. This, I don't mean to skip the two questions, which are i think, yeah. what he's trying to pull out, so I'll put them in front here. You know, where can I go for protection, which I see now as the the that's the Enrollment, enlistment trick is the ego is that hides that question that pretend. and that uh, pretends And the other question, which is clarifying, you know, the what it's for. And that may be a good way to. sort our thoughts. Thoughts. Okay. I just put wanted to put those in there before I try and do the summary, which is the first two sentences. All things work together for good. There are no exceptions, except in the ego's judgment. And uh the last two sentences. Be always unwilling to adapt to any situation in which miracle-mindedness is unthinkable. That state in itself is enough to demonstrate this perception. Okay. Go ahead.
6: Excellent. Thank you, Lemoyne.
2: Thank you, Lemoyne. That was wonderful. Thank you.
1: Just great. Thanks, Lemoyne.
4: Lori, do you have a closing hand? I do, if we're ready.
1: Uh, It's a great great little (laughs) summary of what what Lemoyne just said. It's from Chapter 8. I hope I can be heard. Um, yes please (laughs) okay section title is the light of the world where he says the ego's way is not mine but it is also not yours the Holy Spirit has one direction for all minds and the one he taught me is yours let us not lose sight of his direction through illusions for only illusions of another direction can obscure the one for which God's voice speaks in all of us. Never accord the ego the power to interfere with the journey because it has none. And the journey is the way to what is true. Leave all deception behind and reach beyond all attempts of the ego to hold you back. I go before you because I am beyond the ego. Reach, therefore, for my hand, because you want to transcend the ego. My will will never be wanting, and if you want to share it, you will. I give it willingly and gladly, because I need you as much as you need me. Amen.
7: Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thanks, Lori.
0: Thank, Thank you.
2: Thank you, everybody.
0: Thank you, morning. everyone. Now and in the future. Thank
6: you, Lori. Yeah. Thank you, LeMoyne. Thank you, everyone.